Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest has spent her career in business and brand management for recognizable organizations like Nestle and Henkel, and is now the founder of branding agency Yellow Pebble. Using her expertise, Isha Vyas is transforming businesses into brands people love. Welcome, Isha. Thank you so much, Aloiza. I love that introduction. Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm very, you're very well-versed with me. I love it. Thank of you. course. Well, thank you. Hey, we are so excited to have you on board today and we'll kind of go ahead and get started. But yeah, go. can you go ahead and share with us a little background on yourself and what got you started? Sure. Uh, well, if the accent hasn't given it away, I'm from India and I spent my entire uh, formative years in the country. I'm a former engineer turned marketer. So uh, that's a story. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you someday. Um, but uh, essentially, when once I started marketing, I obviously worked with Hinkle and Nestle and uh, consulted for multiple other Fortune 100 organizations during my tenure. And uh, finally started doing pro bono consulting with these young uh, startups and businesses. And I had, they had so much heart and they really needed help. And uh, as of last year, I've been working on Yellow Pebble full time and this is the business and it's been growing exponentially. So very, very happy to be here and be where I am. And I'm happy to share some, some fun thoughts. Of course. Well, we are very excited to hear your fun thoughts. You know, kind of thinking back to your prior experiences, how would you say your time over at Nestle and Henkel shaped your approach to brand building and development? Well, I would say every, every experience has two sides of the coin. Uh, the first is the good part. Henkel, Nestle, any of these top CPG companies hire the best talent there is. So you get to learn from the top marketers uh, managing billions of dollars worth of businesses. I myself managed two half a billion dollar businesses in these companies. And uh, that, that is not something you can easily say or like so few people get that opportunity. So I've been incredibly grateful to work with those companies and manage those brands. Uh, the other thing is these companies dare to deliver there are always big ideas, big budgets, and then you can go out and execute. Um, the flip side of that is there are big budgets. So you have a lot of people on your team who can help you grow. So it's almost been a learning experience for me as I started consulting startups to see that how, how can I bring those practices and those strategies, but then make them more agile and friendly for small startups and um, basically budget friendly for them. So uh, the experience has been great. And I'm, I'm hoping like one of the things I say is I, I, I cascade big business practices into small businesses. So, oh, hoping to continue that. Of course. And there, there is a lot to be said. And I think that's a, something that a lot of different um, leaders and executives are having to sh navigate through. If you come from a more established, larger brand or organization, kind of going through the varying growth stages that an organization may have, it's important to be aware of kind of the, the big ideas, kind of like those BHAG kind of, kind of um, uh, topics. But essentially, you are having to take these large scale 
strategies and being able to implement them into um, more earlier stage companies. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And so far, I would say it's going great. So yeah. yeah, great. Well, thinking about it more from like a tactical perspective and more so towards brand awareness efforts, we're seeing it truly evolve, especially because of the pandemic. What trends are you seeing as businesses balance efforts for grassroots, direct-to-consumer lead generation tactics? Right. So what the pandemic has seen, and I'm one of pandemic entrepreneurs, so uh, I can attest to that fact, is a lot of small uh, businesses have now dared to go bigger. Part of that is uh, the access to influencers. Because we were at home, TikTok became a big platform, for example. Uh, Influencers have started popping left, right, and center. And now there's a big opportunity for these startups to go and tap into those influencers and start talking to consumers. And one of the things that uh, these small businesses are doing also, um, CrossNet is one of those businesses that I've been um, in conversations with. They do, um, they've started tapping into college football players. So there are college athletes who are now able to actually uh, get paid for the influence they have. So they are becoming these small micro uh, brand influencers that are that actually have a significant following. So that, that's like a new space that people are tapping into. So influencers is obviously a big space that's becoming um, a, a, a good area for them. The second is affiliate uh, marketing that's happening through uh, platforms like YouTube and a lot of podcasts do that as well. Um, and that's where, again, affiliate is more about a commission. So you pay a commission on revenue generated and it's lesser upfront costs. So small businesses are also able to tap into that as a, a system. The third thing is founders and businesses are becoming one in the sense if you believe in Isha, the founder, you believe in Yellow Pebble, the business. And a lot of founders are taking to their Instagrams and their platforms to almost become influencers themselves and establish their personal brand in a way that it brings a lot more credibility to the businesses they're on. So these are like some very simple marketing tactics that are being used by those businesses. Um, apart from that, it's more about Uh, building those human connections and storytelling. Uh, So a lot of uh, businesses, I'm also seeing user-generated content becoming prevalent. So when I, as a consumer, am posing with a tea or a coffee or any of these consumer brands, the consumer brands are taking permissions from me to repost and re-talk about it. And now you have a story that's uh, every person's story and it's becoming much, much more uh, relatable and easy to consume. So I I think those are like some things these companies are doing right now. That's incredible. That's a lot of strategies too that are so incredibly valuable in the sense where it's really providing and focusing on those meaningful one-to-one interactions. Um, I definitely want to unpack a little bit more on a couple of things that you just mentioned. In relation to kind of like the micro-influencer using collegiate athletes, that's incredibly interesting. You know, I think in the past, we've always been so fixated on this mindset that influencer marketing was about attracting the big-name talent, the big-name celebrities. And the reality of it is it's great to have those influencers endorse your brand or product, 
But it kind of comes back into this notion of quantity over quality. Would you rather have influencer A who has billions of followers, but you're not necessarily getting the this quality or more so, um, I guess, the consumers that are actually more likely to convert? Or would you rather have influencer B who may not have as many followers, but the quality of engagement is actually more aware or is actually more known? Right. So I always recommend my clients and to any other businesses here uh, to do a hybrid strategy. Always have one or two big influencers if you're able to afford them, of course, like budgets matter. Uh, But at the same time, a lot of these big influencers have already been established as influencers. I know when they're posting an ad, it's an ad. And those are the if you actually analyze the content, those are the ads that don't really convert as well. Those posts don't convert as well. On the other hand, with micro-influencers, because they weave it into their own personal life and story, and a lot of these people actually believe in the products they're talking about because they're not big enough yet, um, that engagement level is a very, very... So it's basically reach. Are you looking for awareness and getting more people's eyeballs on your product? You go big influencers. And if you're actually looking for people to click and convert, you do small. And Honestly, you want both. So you want a mix of both kinds of influencers as you as you build your marketing strategies. Amazing. And kind of actually, it's a perfect segue into the last thought that you had um, regarding user-generated content. You know, one of the questions that I used to get uh, more frequently was actually along the lines of what's my favorite acquisition strategy. And all the time, hands down, my answer was consistent. Well, you know, my favorite acquisition strategy is actually retention. And part of the retention strategy is going to be uh, kind of creating this loyal following through word of mouth referrals. And user-generated content just molds so seamlessly into having this, this authentic voice, authentic endorsement from your colleague, which ultimately is like a lead generating strategy in itself. Exactly. Exactly. And, and um, I mean, I can dive deeper into this if you want, but I talk a lot about trust in my, in my branding strategies and trust and authenticity go hand in hand. And today the world is so, so fragmented and so polarized in so many different ways that I trust my friend's word a lot more than what I see on traditional media. So how do you convert these individual people, treating them as one of one and and help them become those loyal advocates that talk for you. And that's the way to grow. That's the way to exponential growth. Of course. I mean, fundamentally, consumers engage and convert when they feel like they can trust the brand. In your perspective, how can businesses create almost like this evenly distributed level of trust to build an authentic relationship with their consumers? Um. I would say ethical marketing, although sounds a little bit of an oxymoron because marketing is all about selling and showing your best self. Uh, But authenticity truly, truly matters. So showing your truest self to your uh, audiences and small businesses are uniquely positioned to do this because they they are small businesses. I can, as a founder today, talk about my struggles without being judged where big brands cannot really do that. The, The element of vulnerability comes when you're starting out and that that when you actually show your true self true challenges true stories of you as a business your consumers as uh, audiences 
um, that's what translates into trust. So one is obviously be authentic to who you are. Second is there must be a why, why you started this business. What are you trying to radicalize or what are you trying to change in the society? Talk about that why. Identify causes associated with those why and put money where your mouth is. So let's do, a, for example, I am a sustainable products company. How can I go and partner with a water-based, uh, water-cleaning NGO? Because you're trying to save the planet and I'm trying to better the planet in two very different ways. But how can I help you either through cross-branding, cross-promotions, or just donating to those organizations or saying 1% of my money is going to go there because I truly believe in something and true like small businesses mid-sized businesses startups are actually tapping into this extensively when you're showing that part of my revenue is actually going for the good of the world or good of the causes that I believe in that translates into revenue and it's not a sneaky way to do it it's it's truly just putting money where your mouth is I love that. You know, one of the most recent conversations that I had was actually along the same lines, whereas consumers ultimately want to be a part of something. They want to feel like they're a part of a community. And on the other hand, that mirrors so nicely with that is that they also want to feel like they're doing something good for the world. They want to feel like they're doing something good for the community. And it's important for brands to be able to recognize what their position is in that respective subject and consistently communicating the message as to why they believe so strongly in their position is so incredibly important when it comes to building a loyal following. Is that right? True. And and I would go even as far as to it's okay to have detractors. In mm. fact, it's good because the more people love you, there will be people who don't like you as much. Mm-hmm. And it's perfectly fine because then the people who love you truly are your loyal advocates. Like you don't want a consumer you want a fan like you want somebody who loves you so much that they will actually fight for you and (laughs) sometimes it means being a little bit polarizing and that's fine so yeah loyalty is important I love that. You know, one other question that I have for you as a follow-up is you touched upon the value that having a position or or creating more of these authentic marketing messages uh, is such a a benefit for small to mid-sized businesses. Do you have an opinion on what that could potentially look like for the larger established organizations? Yes. For large organizations, it's more about building the brand as a civil servant, especially when there are so, so many issues. Like I, I don't want to go into them because um, I don't want to go into them. Uh, there are so many issues that are hurting the planet and big organizations actually have scale. So scale and impact helps you create, uh, create a transformation. Um, I'm just trying to recall a brand that recently did this in India. So uh, a brand that recently did this in India is Lux. Lux is a Unilever brand. It's almost like uh, the Dove and Caress and those brands of the US. And Lux had this uh, uh, a little bar of soap with a little lump. And it's basically generating awareness about uh, breast examination because women in India are a little bit conscious about that and they don't take care of themselves. So it's almost like bringing awareness to breast cancer as an issue and something that you can treat if you're 
early enough, but that does require some active engagement with your own body. And so they have these bar soaps that have little lumps on them and then a message that talks to this. And it's actually increased search uh, calls to the breast research helpline by 26% in the last quarter. So they're wow. actually, they're doing so much good uh, by standing for a cause. And that's the big brand impact, right? They have scale. So when they do it, they really can empower change. Absolutely. And, oh, I love that example. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I'm trying to think through the process of what these organizations take in order to get there. And it's almost like they really just have to have their own internal self-reflection of what their brand identity is. So in your perspective, how does a new business or established business create that differentiated point of view or unique brand identity? Um, Brand identity is, I'll take a step back. So first, a business needs to know the why. Why am I in the business or in the job or in the area that I'm uh, working in what what's driving us forward so know your why then know who are you targeting who are those consumers that you're talking to and it cannot be everybody it has to be you have to have two or three different types of people that you're talking to and you have to build those target consumer personas the third thing to do is understand your compet competitors and this is not just your direct competition it's also indirect for example if i'm a anti-hair fall serum there are other anti-hair fall products or hair growth products but then there is shampoos conditioners and other things they are my indirect competitors understand what's that landscape that you're working in and identify okay all of these are having these things that are points of parity meaning bare minimum things i need to be in order to be considered as a real brand and then what can i be different like and that's where the why and the target consumers come in and that's where you say these are the three, four th- ways in which I'm different. Now you bra- brainstorm words, taglines, things, things about your brand. And that's how you start to like then build your brand story, your brand's personality, your brand's tone of voice. That's like your brand's verbal identity. And then visual identities, again, logos, aesthetics. Uh, what, what do you want to show? Are you an elevated brand? Are you a brand that's all about sustainability and minimalism? Are you a brand that is a value brand? And I just want to be everybody's uh, basic brand. That's fine. Like pick a lane and you can start to build your brand identities around that. And then one last thing is, and you're a podcaster, I think as podcasts and other means of audio, like Clubhouse, uh, become mainstream, build an audio brand identity. That's where you're going to have a new. So it's not the jingle of the old, but something similar. Like what is that sound that's going to make me feel oh, this is the drift, you know? So um, that's like one unique way to start differentiating early on in the audience. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. And I completely agree. And it comes down to just having not only just this holistic view or strategy of how you're going to be able to target and speak to those specific consumers. But at the end of the day, you know, the fundamentals behind it is just consistency. And you just mentioned it too. Pick a lane pick a lane, and then stick with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Consistency matters. Of course. It has to be one source of truth. Absolutely. And you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'm curious, do you have a perspective on promoting the value of the brand versus promoting the value of a product? 
I have a very simple answer for this. This won't take five seconds. Okay. Uh, everybody who's in business kind of knows the marketing funnel. Awareness, consideration, purchase, uh, repeat, loyalty. Yes? Awareness, consideration, and purchase are driven by the brand more than the product because they've not yet tried the product. And the brand also includes aspects and attributes of the product. Like that is, that is part of marketing, but it's the brand that's drawing people in. Once the purchases happened, repeat purchases are more driven by the product. And then when it comes to loyalty, it's a combination of both. So I would say when you're doing your awareness generation tactics, definitely focus more on brand. And when you're talking about actual conversions and repeat purchases or retargeting, focus more on the product. So those are like the two ways to address both. That's great. I love the simplicity of it too, because it really hones in into this message of how we need to rethink the, the complexities of marketing and think about the consumers at the end of the day. Exactly. Amazing. Well, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from you and Yellow Pebble? Oh, well, we've been growing exponentially and uh, very excited where the business is going. Uh, but at the same time, I'm getting a lot of requests for webinars to actually train people in marketing, uh, people who probably are early stage entrepreneurs or just starting out and just need to know even the basics to get started. So I'm starting a webinar series in Q4 and the registration details will be available on www.yellowpebble.co. And uh, we also have a bi-weekly newsletter right now. It's called the Yellow Cobblestone because uh, yellow pebbles and a lot of pebbles make cobblestone. And uh, that that's uh, also something that people can sign up for. It's like the latest uh, tea in marketing, what's happening in the business world, uh, what strategy startups can uh, um, start exploring and things like that. So it's basically my brain exploding onto a paper and uh, I'm happy I'm happy to share those thoughts with people so they can sign up for that also on uh, our website www.yellowpebble.co oh my goodness so many exciting things and I love the fact that you're just sharing your knowledge to help elevate businesses and entrepreneurs around the world oh, thank you I appreciate it of course so final question for you if you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur, what would you share with them? Uh, first, be sure that you want to pursue it because business is not easy. And there are days that I've been like on the verge of giving up. So, and I'm very passionate about marketing. So uh, make sure that the passion surpasses the fear for sure. And the second thing is build your financial stability before you jump into business, because there will be months you will not make revenue in the beginning. And if you're not financially stable, that's the point at which you're afraid and you go back to a job and salary is a drug. So, you know, it's hard to give it up. Uh, for me, I built a wealth for at least one year. If I had made not a single dollar, I would be able to at least live a basic life and I strongly recommend that that's how people pursue it uh, in the future. And women entrepreneurs are so needed. Girls, go out there, fulfill your dreams, do your thing. Let's like, let's not be afraid. We are so much, so much more uh, than than we believe in. And I, I think girls really need to like 
have a little more faith in themselves. And as do I on a journey myself. <laughs> Aren't but, we all? Uh, but yeah, I'm, I, I just feel like financial stability and make sure that you're truly passionate about what you're doing. Incredible. Well, thank you, Isha, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Yellow Pebble for more resources on innovative branding and development. Looking to hear more about what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift. <laughs>